Welcome back to Ideas Digest, the podcast dedicated to exploring new ideas, no matter where we find them. I'm Conrad, a big, genuine thank you for tuning in. I assume if you listen to this episode, you must have listened to every single one of my episodes before, so wow, thank you. What an achievement. As you might already know, this show is all about understanding new perspectives, and wow, do we have a new perspective to share with you today. Full credit, like all of the credit, all of it, to our next guest, Arden, who was really able to be very vulnerable and authentic in communicating her worldview and life experiences so far. Uh, I really feel Arden was so clearly able to communicate her journey and provide, for me anyway, a really profound insight into her idea and the life experiences that led her to this idea. So remember, as you're listening to this podcast, might be a controversial idea for many, many, many people. No, might be. No, it is. It definitely is because just turn on the mainstream media and it's, you know, it's always been spoken about. So just remember, this podcast doesn't exist to spark a debate or even to have a debate. If you want a debate, just jump on YouTube, type in debates and just watch them there because you're not going to find one here. This podcast is here to explore new perspectives and worldviews, but really to get to know the person behind their idea and what led them to the idea and also how this idea helps them in their life so that's the purpose i think this episode is one of my favorites so far so take a listen i'm right and you're wrong once you start labeling people categorizing of humans and ideas you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being to who they really are and in the marketplace of ideas these things are complicated man we all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Ideas Digest, the podcast where we take the time to get to know the people before we're pushed apart by our opposing opinions. I'm here with Brooke. She's back. Thank goodness. I am back. Hello, I know you guys have missed me, so I grace you with my presence. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm really excited for today's episode because it brings to me a whole new perspective and way of looking at the world. And I don't know about you guys, everybody here, but I love the feeling when two dots connect and create a new idea. And that's the experience I had talking to my friend Arden here. So let me introduce my friend Arden. Hey, how you going? Thanks for being on. No problems. Let's just jump in and get to know you a little bit more, Arden. Can you tell me about your background, where you grew up? I, um, I grew up in the uh, Newcastle area. Yep. Um, Christian home, all that sort of jazz, you know, Christian school. And I'm now 26 and I am a transgender woman. And what is your current occupation? My current occupation is I'm just work- I'm working in IT. Um, working for a company, helping people with um, local government um, software. You grew up religious, you mentioned that. Yeah. What religious denomination? Yeah, so I grew up in the Adventist church. Are you still part of the Adventist church? Uh, I wouldn't call myself part of, I wouldn't call myself an Adventist, but definitely, definitely Christian. Like, I okay. sort of like okay. realized that I th- they think for me that um, Christianity is far broader than just, you must be Adventist or else you're not saved. So I've sort of distanced myself a little bit from Adventism, but it still sort of has that homey vibe a little bit. And I'm actually at a Baptist church at the moment. They've been pretty good. So Fun fact that you already know, your dad taught me maths. Yeah. And, and, and he taught Brooke too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He used to give me stickers if I finished my homework before the end of the class and I was in year 11. <laughs> and clearly that motivated Brooke to get her math stuff. So you grew up not Arden. Yeah. I, no, I guess, I mean... When I first always, met you... Okay, so was, when, when you what, first 10 met, years ago? When you first met me, I had a different name. Yeah. And I suppose the way I would describe it is that I was pretending to be a boy. That's probably the best way to explain it. I guess I was still the same person then that I am now in, in I guess, genetically, physically, emotionally, intellectually, maybe a little bit more grown up than 10 years ago. What's that? Definitely I've grown up, and, but I'm still the same person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you said, you identify as a transgender woman. Yep. 
And many people, and even myself included, up until recently, I personally don't know or didn't know any transgender people. Well, I mean, hang on. I'm, I might, I might um, just jump in there and say that it's not necessarily that I identify as a trans woman. I suppose I'd like to say that I just identify as woman, but the nature of the world at the moment is that using the transgender as a qualifier there sort of explains a little bit more about my background and sort of it explains my journey. Like at the end of the day, I'd like to just say, hey, I'm a woman and I'm just just the same same kind of woman as that other person down the street. Maybe I've had a different journey, but I'm still... Trans women are women That's and trans men are men. That's just the reality. But we use the trans thing to sort of explain a bit of our journey. When people enter into a conversation that they're unfamiliar with or uncomfortable with, a lot of people avoid it purely because they're not sure on the terminology, they're not sure on a lot of different things. And so instead of confront something that might be difficult or uncomfortable, a lot of people just avoid it and don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. Like that was one of the things I f- first found when I came out was that I found I had a lot of people who sort of engaged with me in a supportive way. And then I had maybe a group of people who chose not to engage with me at all for various reasons. And I had a couple of people who might engage with me in opposition sort of at a distance, you know, send a, send a random email link over Facebook Messenger and go, oh, there you go, I've said my part. And, you know, I hope you've thought this all through and all these sorts of things. But, you know, I think definitely um, when someone comes out, particularly as a challenging minority group, that people are still sort of getting their heads around it can be, quite scary to um confront that person i mean because people knew me as a different so when people are confronted with a um a new um idea or identity that i don't really fully understand it can be quite scary because you don't necessarily know how to engage with that person whether you might offend them or say the wrong thing and they'll flip the hell heck out or something like that so it can be quite um scary for some people who don't necessarily know how to or at least are worried that they might step on the wrong, on the wrong foot and hurt my feelings, and I might f- freak out or something. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to actually talk so openly with us about it. Hundred percent. It's something that I'm really passionate about. Is I'm um, this weird place of feeling really comfortable to share my story. So if there's at any chance that it might help um, someone else um, from any point of view or perspective of journey, then. I'm more than happy to share that. Could you could you tell us some of the th- ways in which you prefer to be addressed, some of the things that you find hurtful when people like whether they do it in, inadvertently. So um one of the one of the terms in the in the community that you'll hear a lot, you'll ask a lot of people will ask, "Hey, so Conrad, what are your preferred pronouns?" So Conrad, what are your preferred pronouns? I go with he, him. He and him. Are there okay. Any other articles? That, yeah, yeah. I don't even think about so, it. So, so he, him, Brooke. You, your. What are your preferred pronouns? She, her. Okay. So there are some people in the trans community who might um, say that they prefer they, them pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sort of um, a subgroup of, or they're a group in their own right of um, people who sort of identify as non-binary. So not necessarily hundred percent man or not necessarily hundred percent woman that's a whole so feel like they don't fit within either category or, so they... or, well it can be so much it could be i don't fit in either it's I, it can be i fit in both it's really up to the individual's journey my journey however is sort of a more binary route where i would say that my preferred pronouns are she her previous name is a really really sensitive thing for a lot of um, trans people um it, it can be mean different things for different people for some people, that can be quite a painful and really difficult thing to talk about because it's effectively it's such an intimate part of yourself, and it's and for some people they can be they can feel quite disconnected from who that person is because they're so different, they're a different person, or and it sort of emphasizes the idea that you know to focus on your previous name is like to suggest that you aren't you you know so so like um i guess or that or that because you were someone else before you're no not valid as the person you are now and so i mean the sort of two minds like sometimes i'll talk about talk about myself with my previous names if it was a different person or or i sort of think about it as when i changed my name was like a new chapter in my life um but yeah no that's a very it's often quite a deep personal thing because a lot of 
but a lot of trans people will have very challenging journeys to come to terms with themselves and sometimes those those previous names can be quite painful mm. thanks for that insight i didn't i didn't know that so thanks that's right yeah like you're very a safe open space and i really appreciate the vulnerability that you have um in giving us insight into those really personal spaces in a very intelligent thoughtful way i have to be realistic and accept the fact that if i want people to to understand me then i have to be willing to share that journey i can't expect someone to come to the table and understand what i've been through and be accepting and understanding of my journey then of course i need to be open to share that like no one's going to understand what it's like to be me if I sit here in a corner and just complain about how horrible everyone is and uses the wrong pronouns when I go down to the store. Like that's not a productive thing for me or anyone else and it's not a not a healthy way to have that conversation. And does that get really tiring? So you're going through it but you're also trying to connect people with it. I can imagine that that would be a lot it can be really tricky, but I'm really blessed that I have um, some really good friends around me that see me for me and they don't see the other stuff. My reality is I'm just a person and there's this there's this chapter about me that people can be really interested in because it's controversial and whatever and it can be so interesting and intriguing because what they were born as a man and now they want to be a woman. Like that's that stuff grabs headlines. But... I'm just a person and that's a small part of who I am. And so oftentimes when I'm meeting new people or having these conversations, yeah, it's, it can be a big unpack at various levels up to like a three. It, sometimes with family, it can just be a three-hour conversation, right? We're sitting down, we're going to have this chat and I know in my head already this is probably going to be a three-hour conversation to sort of convince you that I'm legitimate and that I'm not a crazy person. And that I'm actually of sound mind and that this is right for me, but not only that it's right for me, but that it's okay. Mm-hmm. And to not freak out and go, oh my gosh, what's happening to them? You know, like, so that can be a really intense space to be in. But then I'm so blessed to have people around me where I can just be me. And that's not even the, we don't sit down and we don't talk about trans issues. We sit down and we talk about life like yeah. anybody else. At the end of the day, like, I don't need or want the rest of my life and the rest of my existence to be dominated by this, oh, hey, I'm transgender, here's my life story conversation. And this is why transgender people are important. And this is, you know, like, that's not, that's not a healthy place for me to be in. And it's not necessarily a healthy place for the rest of society to be in to just expect that, you know, you can run into a trans person and expect them to have to share their story with you. But at the same time, like, I'm maybe it's narcissistic or egotistical enough to think that by me sharing my story, I can make a positive impact. So, of course, I'm going to. Like, I'm currently going to a church, you know. I rock up and the reality is is that I'm forcing upon them to start to ask questions about what it means to be a Christian and how to handle LGBT people in a Christian context when... You know, you might have a congregation of all sorts of various different um, beliefs and understandings of um, how that fits in with God and his plan for us. And so I'm putting that upon those people, whether they like it or not, by me choosing to go to the church, that's a thing. And so if I want that congregation to come to a place where they can love and accept me for who I am without expecting me to change... You know, because sometimes you could go like, I could go and get prayer from someone and someone might be just this wonderful person. And other times they might be praying over me and praying for God to fix me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, ironically, I sort of think that me getting to this place, God has actually fixed me. But that's something we can get into a bit later. But There's so many big topic. So many. So we were talking and we were trying to narrow it down for just a starting point, a jump on point for people to start at yeah and we like to start with a clickbait title because like you said it grabs attention we were talking what 
What clickbait okay, so, title have so you got? The clickbait title I think we're going to go for today is Blessed Be the Transgenders. Blessed be the Blessed be the transgenders. I feel now like I have to qualify that a little definitely bit. Definitely do. I have to qualify that for a little bit. Um, typically, it's not necessarily okay to use um, the the word transgender as a noun. Like that's quite othering. Um, it comes from it says to other them, sorts of you're different, and it yeah. highlights the differences, and then labels what? that differences, and it sort of comes back from the language of um, calling people uh, trannies, which is quite quite a significant slur. It's almost sort of like the way I sort of perceive it. It's kind of like our community's N-word. Yeah. Like if someone in our community decides that they're going to wear that and own it and rock it, great. That's not a term for everybody else to use because the history of that has been quite destructive. Mm-hmm. You know? And what do you mean by blessed be? <laughs> I guess I feel... I feel really blessed to actually be who I am. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've come to this um, place within myself where I'm not angry or frustrated. Or I don't wish I was born a different way mm. or or anything like that. Or I wish I had it easier or mm. I wish I didn't have to be trans. Like mm-hmm. I'm actually sitting here going, I love me. I don't need to change anything about me to love me anymore. And I'm guessing you didn't start at this point now. Oh, no. So you want to take us to maybe the start of your journey, how you saw yourself then and what you were thinking and what led you to this acceptance of yourself now? I have a sort of this perspective on my time growing up and I think that um, one of those things that sticks out to me is that as we grow up as people and particularly as kids, like we are led to believe that everything that is happening to us or whatever is happening around us is normal. And it's only when we have some outside external influence or person or whatever that shows us or directly tells us that what we're going through is not normal that we are then forced to ask those questions. Mm. And I think that's very true with, say, um, kids who might grow up in a broken home where there's an unhealthy marriage relationship. That was that was certainly part of my my experience growing up was that Marriage wasn't so great between my parents, but I didn't realize that till basically after they divorced when I was like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't until that all happened that I looked back and went, you know what? There were some things about their relationship that was really messed up because there was no one there to tell me that, hey, what I was observing wasn't normal or wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And so for a good chunk of my childhood, I suppose as far as trans stuff is concerned, it was either completely not a thing because I didn't... You didn't think about well, it. Well, I didn't think didn't... I was trans. Right. Like, who who was that? Who I didn't have anyone to look up to that, that I identified with as a kid. So you looked out at the world of, I don't know, like what do kids think about, like pro athletes well, I was, and I things was like, like that? I was so mad into cricket. So like okay. I had the cricket cars yeah. with... Um, it used to come in the wheat bix boxes yeah. and stuff like... That was so cool. And I remember having some of those and like, they were sort of like, I wished one day I could be a cricketer. Actually before that, like I wished I could be an astronaut and realized that was going to be hard. So I gave up. But like, as far as people that I directly identified and with and went, I want to be like them or, or even deeper than that and go see someone and go, I see them and I see how they are like me. Yeah. Yeah. There was no one. There was no one that I could look up to and go, they are like me. Especially because I suppose from a transgender point of view, now realizing it, that the, the story that the media sort of sh- sh- tells about transgender people is that they are either like the three or four year old that's clearly got something weird going on where they are adamant that they are not the gender that they are assigned to at birth. So like, you know, doctor looks at them and goes, they're a boy because they have a thing. And then that's all of a sudden that, is put on the kid and the kid goes, as a three-year-old goes, no. Like, I think as a story to parents, that's sort of terrifying. Like, it's sort of this like shock thing of, this might happen to you, it might be your child. And, and that's how transgender yeah. well, um, was either, represented. Well, it was either that, as yeah. that was the, that's how transgender children were represented. And then maybe you might have transgender adults. Yep. Um, and, and oftentimes they would be portrayed as sexual deviants. Yep. Um, middle-aged men going through a life midlife crisis. Yep. Um, people who had extreme amounts of plastic surgery and 
it's sort of made they're sort of made to look a little bit crazy and insane and mm-hmm. or like it's in just in general it's been a very unhealthy story that's been told so you looked out at the world and with with the males you looked at you're saying that's not me then you looked at, when you saw the transgender community represented you went that's not me yeah and so i at- guess i didn't have anyone that i really looked up to behavior sort of crept in to me that now i look back on and go wow they were so trans at 13 they just didn't know it or the fact that they just weren't able to acknowledge it to themselves and so once those sorts of behaviors started to creep in that's when i remember as a 13 year old feeling broken or wrong or gross and so rather than be able to love myself and love that part of me i buried myself in guilt and shame because Every time I'd have that thought, I would just bury it down, either because I thought it was so wrong, I thought it was so I was so disgusting. I believed that, and not only that, but the very little I'd read about trans stuff on the internet was enough to tell me that being trans wasn't something I wanted, or at least that was the message I'd initially got, was that being trans and having to transition is something to be afraid of. Because And so I built it up in my mind that if I were to come out as trans, that would be the end of my life as I knew it. And that it would just be, my life would be hard and horrible and terrible after that. So then as a teenager growing up, a whole lot of my energy was sort of all these thoughts and burying them in shame and guilt, but also impact adding a giant big pack of fear onto it because I was afraid to actually acknowledge what was actually going on and so I mean like weird things like you don't think of it as normal but like I remember going down to the beach the very first time without a shirt and feeling really uncomfortable in a way about my chest and I didn't really think anything of it or at least I tried to push it away because I was my assumption was well that's how all guys feel when they go to the beach without a shirt now with my hindsight I can go yeah, wow, that was like hella trans. But, you know, that younger version of me wasn't going to be able to accept that as an answer or to unpack that. When did you start to kind of overcome that shame that you had towards yourself? I was really lucky. I uh, met this amazing girl and uh, we got married and she she loved me for all of me. And it was it was really beautiful because I was sort of open to her about parts of me that were necessarily what you'd expect from a typical man because the reality was was like sit down and go well hey um there's this weird thing about me where I like wearing a dress and she went cool so what and I went whoa that's weird um and so that relationship that we had was had a big impact on me on helping me to accept myself and love myself so that sort of started me on a journey of trying to work out what sort of title or what sort of community I fit within and what what words did I want to use to describe me. So, of course, being afraid, still being afraid of being calling myself transgender, I wore a term for a long while called, um, it's called gender fluid, which is sort of this in-between space, but lo- sort, of like, sort of like a swing. Like one way, one day you might wake up and you might feel all man and the other, other day you might wake up and feel on the other side. And that was definitely where, I, that's definitely was the, the easiest one I could swallow because it gave me justification for why some days I could get up out of bed and go to, go to college, uni and just not be an issue. But then other days I would wake up and I could barely bring myself to get dressed. Like it was so painful that I would just, I'd effectively just get out of the shower and lay on the bed and not get dressed because it was just too hard to do. And so I wore that term for a little while and then ended up doing some reading of a um, book by a lady named um, Julia Serrano and it's called Whipping Girl. Highly recommend it. Um, Not just as a transgender piece, but as a feminist piece. It's really, really worth a read. But it sort of opened my eyes to this idea that, I mean, for me, it was that trans people didn't have to fit the stereotypical story. And all of a sudden it unlocked this thought in my brain that, oh, actually I don't have to fit in with what I've been spoon-fed is what it, what it means to be trans to be trans. 
And all of a sudden, for the very first time, I accepted I accepted that I could be. So your definition of what you thought trans was suddenly changed. Well, like, well what I was using was I was going, I don't fit the stereotype, so therefore I'm not. That was sort of my, my last barrier of defense was, if I don't fit the stereotype, then I'm not trans, so run away. Yeah. And when I finally let go of that, it was sort of this moment, actually, where I was just standing there in the shower. And all of a sudden, it was, just, it was literally like the penny dropped. Mm-hmm. The penny dropped, and I finally, finally realized, oh, wow, actually, I am trans. Now, that's one moment, but that's a moment that was a sum of 10 to 12 years plus of struggle of coming to terms with that and much mental health struggle as well. Um, Definitely a huge thing that I had to deal with. But yeah, so that sort of brought me to that realisation and then it was a case of working out how in the heck I was going to make that happen in real life since I was at the time teaching mathematics at a Christian school, um, which... I didn't have to really ask around very much to know that that wasn't going to be so accepted. But not the most accepting employer for those sorts of issues at this current point in time. Um, look, hey, if you're out there and you're a Christian school and you're looking for a teacher and you'd be happy for a trans person, hit me up. I'm keen. But um, great otherwise... Math, great math teacher. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> selfless plug. But like seriously <laughs> though, um, like I just knew it wasn't going to be going to go down well. So rather than having a big massive battle over it I just found a new job and quietly Mm. left with gender fluidity and transgender you said that gender fluidity is like uh, like this kind of the stage before for me it was for me so I chose to wear the um, label of gender fluid um, and that was my way of understanding who I was at the time particularly because I wasn't open to the idea of describing myself as trans. So the next closest thing I could find that made sense to me was gender fluid. This idea that, hey, I'm perfectly comfortable being a man, but also sometimes I don't want to be. And so that was sort of the land I lived in for a while. I'm just trying to figure out exactly the, you know, the language and the understanding of it. Yeah. So trans would mean that now you identify as a woman and you trans are... the trans implies that there's a crossing of gender bound of crossing of gender so you're assigned one gender at birth and you now identify as another okay. that's sort of trans now you could say that uh, gender fluid or gender queer sort of fits under that umbrella a little bit but yeah it's all kind of this just big giant melting pot. At the end of the day, if you look hard enough on LGBT websites, you can find a word that describes you. <laughs> like, it's it's a giant, and, and this is why the um, an acronym keeps getting longer, like it'll go LGBT, then it becomes LGBTI, and then it becomes LGBTIQ+, plus. and then it becomes LGBTIQ+. Plus. <laughs> like, I think it's almost at the time where you just, like, just call it, the rainbow, call, it, call it the rainbow community. That. Let's just... End it. And and is the is the idea of the LGBTQI plus is to include everybody who is currently excluded by existing categories. It's really grown to a point of anyone who doesn't feel like they fit into the um, stereotypical heterosexual mold. Mm. And there's so many, so many angles to that that include people who are in straight relationships. So it's amazing how how important categories are and how we some some of us have the luxury of not even thinking about categories because we fit within them. So the category is invisible, but it's amazing how visible the category becomes when you're outside of the category. Well, when you grow up in a society and you fit within the categories that have been predetermined and expected for you for your life, it's not something you have to question. So for instance, like one of the things that gets thrown around a lot is like people might say like, when did you realize you were straight? Like, yeah. It's, it's not in, a, in, in response to people going, when did you work out you were gay? Like, yeah. it doesn't quite make sense because as you grow up in this heteronormative society, it is assumed that you, your gender assigned at birth is boy and yeah. all of a sudden um, your parents have expectations of you, whether you like it or not, you're dressing mm. in blue and one day he'll grow up to be a nice strong boy and he'll marry this nice sweet girl. These are all the and assumptions. That yeah, are just right. Inst- all of those instantly as made. Soon as, as soon as you come out and doctor's like, congratulations, it's a girl. Yeah. 
It means mum a whole has, lot of other things. Mum has goes, oh, wonderful. I'll put her in cute dresses and one day she'll be a beautiful bride and I'll, and I'll be, get all teary and she'll find this cute boy to look after her. And there's all these societal norms that we assume match your physical appearance. And I suppose for me as a trans person, here I am saying, well, actually, look, I was born, doctor went, ooh, congratulations, you have a boy. And well, what I'm here saying is that actually my physical components aren't what make me a boy or a man. I think the analogy sometimes I'll use is like, if you're in a horrible accident, and let's not even like unthinkable accident, you lose something, you lose a component of your body that's quite important to you. Do you stop being a man? Or, or the other way around, do you stop being a woman? And I think that the answer has to be that just because you don't have that component anymore doesn't change who you are. And so here I am saying, who I am is deeper than what you see on the outside. But it's not a question that many people have to ask because it's never something that they have to consider. Because people go, well, well, I say like, hey, Conrad, how do you know you're a man? Just always knew. <laughs> and all of a sudden... Didn't even think about it. <laughs> they're right. You never, you, no one ever sent, well, Conrad, how do you know you're a man? Yeah. Like, no one asked that of you. Yeah. And so, in some ways, like, for me, how do I know that I'm a woman? Mm-hmm. I kind of just know at the end of the mm-hmm. day. That's, that's it. It's, yeah. I just know. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. How, how did your family and res- friends respond to you once you got up the courage to have the conversation with them. Yeah, um, that was that was from some of the uh, most terrifying conversations of my life. Yeah, I, can I think, um, especially because they're people you're so vulnerable to, mm-hmm. and that what they think of you is so important, yep. and so you have a lot of a lot of stuff hanging upon them still loving you and accepting you. Do you have like like fear of them seeing you differently, loving you differently, interacting with yeah, you? Yeah, fear of rejection's huge. Yeah. Yep. Huge. Mm-hmm. Um for all people for mostly everyone on the LGBT spectrum. Unless you're a kid that grows up in a LGBT plus supportive home where where the kid is taught from a young age that they can be whoever they want to be and mum and dad will love them no matter what. If you're not growing up in that environment, there is some level you wear, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. will they still love me if... And how did, how did your family and friends respond? My friends responded actually really well. You can have conversations with your family one-on-one, those sorts of things, but eventually, some level or another, you have to just tell everyone. So, you know, we have, we, thankfully, we have the internet to do that. So I came out on the internet expecting haters, actually. I was really, I was really expecting haters. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get haters. Mm. Instead, I just got messages of love and support. And that was really shocking to me. Like the first time when I came out, I was... Am I allowed to swear on your podcast? I was, I was shitting bricks. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. I was shitting yeah. bricks when I updated my name and my gender on Facebook. I was freaking out because I was like, oh because my God. how you predict people might respond. Yeah, I expected people to respond negatively. Mm-hmm. And instead, I got people who were responding positively. And then, if anything, the people who would have responded negatively just didn't interact. Mm-hmm. And so that was really surprising and made me feel loved and accepted more than I thought I would. I think my family have had a harder time coming to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you're closer to someone in that way, I think there's a desire to understand it and unpack it at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really hard to to do. Mm-hmm. Because I'm asking, when I share my journey, I'm asking someone to understand things that they've never had to think, consider things they've never had to think about. Yeah. And I've had 10 years to work this out. Mm-hmm. You, I've given you three months and you've got to get your head around it. Yeah. Sorry, guys, get with the program. Yeah. How do you respond to the people that either don't engage? And I think we were talking before and you mentioned that some people might 
the people that don't engage might send through a sneaky link that's like, yeah. hey, did you consider it? Like, like yeah. are you sure? Yeah. Uh, did you double check this? Oh, I read this article. It might yeah. help. Yeah, talk about that. Talk to me about it's, that. It can be quite frustrating. I mean, I'm here and no one, like, first things first is that no one chooses to be trans. Like, So you're saying no one wakes up one day and just suddenly goes, you know what? I'll just give it a crack. Like, if like... That's insanity. Like the light-hearted choice, as if as if how you choose your breakfast cereal. You're saying yeah. no one just decides. No one, no one uh, chooses male, that. Male, female, oh, trans. Actually, I'll 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 try this for a couple of months and see how it goes. Yeah. Or or the other I'd, or the other thought people might have is, oh, they they're tr- they're choosing to be trans because they think it'll fix all their problems. Uh huh. Like, Once so, and yeah. for all, being trans or choosing to be trans. And acknowledging that part of yourself does not fix your problems. So it's almost like you're saying, just to be really specific, you're not saying when you choose to be trans, you're saying choose to accept that you are. Yes. Okay. So it's not a choice like waking up going, I chose one day to, to, to be attracted to women. It's not a choice I actually made. No, it's I not chose a to marry my wife, but mm. so it's a different... Yeah, it's an active participation in your identity. So you just woke up one day and went... Well, not didn't wake up one day. You journeyed through and went. I have to accept this part of me. Yeah, yeah. Because the the alternative to accepting that part of me was not being here. And to accept yourself, you had to be yourself in all areas. So you had to make it public. Yeah, I suppose that was that was the thing that um, was the scariest was making it public. Because mm-hmm. um, it's one thing to sort of do it quietly and sort of in the privacy of your own home and all that sort of thing Mm. but that in in some ways when I came to that realization that was almost the hardest part was when I realized I was trans but also I was in a environment where I wasn't able to be open about who I was and so here I am driving to work once a week and having panic attacks in the car because I can't stomach the idea of going to work that day and pretending to be this person that everybody expects me to be when I know that deep inside that's not all me. And when you embrace that side of you and identify as a woman and accept that and you go to work, how do those panic attacks go? They're not even there. Wow. Like I can truly say to you now that for the first time in my life, the only way I can describe it is like my soul is singing. It genuinely, honestly, it feels like my soul is singing. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. Why do you say, because you kind of said, trust me, no one would choose this. Why do you say that? Because it's hard. Mm -hmm. It is not a fun road to walk, but I'm so glad I did for me because I know it was right for me. Like it's not easy to access um, healthcare on these issues. I had to go see a, I was seeing a psychologist for a while, seeing a GP, had to then hound and hound to get a psychiatrist, had to get a psychiatrist to write me a letter that cost me a bomb even after the Medicare rebate. And then, you know, I had to then chase an endocrinologist and like, it's not an easy journey. Mm. There's things I've given up like male privilege. I'm sort of in this, I'm sort of in this weird place where not only have I experienced and benefited from male privilege for a long part, a significant part of my life, but now here I am on the other side, starting to notice my lack of male privilege. So talk to me about male privilege. Define that, define that first for me and then, and then tell me about it. I suppose I can really talk, only talk about my experience um, as I've got to now. You know, I'm still, I'm still sort of in this brain space where I speak my mind all the time and not think about what sort of impact that might have on the people around me. Um, Women around me tell me that that's not okay because that's just, if they do that, they just get called a bitch. Um, but I'm, that's my, not, my brain hasn't caught up to that bit yet. My, but my, definitely the, one of the things I noticed is um, definitely I feel less safe in public spaces. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I was um, on the main street in Mayfield and I missed my bus um, at 11.40 at night. And so that was a bit sucky because the bus was running early and I missed it. I looked at, I looked, looking at my phone going, okay, well, I'm going to have to wait 40 minutes for the next bus. And so here I am standing on the side of the road. I can't even remember what I was wearing, but like, doesn't really matter. But, you know, there are people wandering around at, um, late, late at night. 
for the very first time, I'm in this situation and I'm starting to feel unsafe. Like, you know, just random people wandering around, you know, maybe a homeless guy carrying a bottle of who knows what in that paper bag. And for the very first time, I'm feeling unsafe. And I remember it clear as a bell, a thought came through my head and I realized that if you had taken me and put me in that situation 12 months ago, before I was out as a transgender woman, I would not have felt unsafe. And it's these and it's these invisible things. Like if you had to put me in that situation with a man, I would be like, whatever. There's just these weirdos roaming around. I don't care. I'm just here to catch a bus. And now all of a sudden, I have this extra layer of vulnerability, where all of the places that I thought always thought were safe aren't necessarily so safe anymore. Back to what I asked before. Hmm. Blessed. Blessed. Why blessed? How are you blessed? Because I, I think you've mentioned yeah. to me a few times. You've said you said when we were talking before. You said, "I'm blessed." Yeah, a few I'm, times, and that was. It's it's a really funny one. I think it's really easy to like from a spiritual point of view. I think, um, and religiously, like I think it's very easy to fall into this trap or this um, space of mind where you you're angry at God. And I think a lot of people in the rainbow community as a whole end up angry at God. Why do you think that? It's, big chunk of that I think is because of the way the church has treated them mm-hmm. and told them that they're horrible and they're an abomination mm-hmm. but also then but to get that message told to you from a church but then to know yourself so deeply and intimately that you know that you are the way you are and you mm-hmm. can't change that mm-hmm. and so you come to this point of going well this is how God made me so either either God's a dick for making me this way mm-hmm. Or, or there's something greater at work here. And so rather than sitting here going, wow, God, I really hate that you made me, you made me trans. Or, wow, God, I really hate that you made me be born as a boy. Why can't I have just been born as a girl and just be done with it? Or, or those sorts of things. Instead, I'm in this, this surprising place in my mind where actually I feel blessed to have been able to have the privilege to experience both of these things. And I feel personally like I have this wider perspective of what it means to be part of God's creation. As Christians, I think it's really easy to talk about how amazing and beautiful and diverse God's creation is. I think that's something we're really easy to, we really like to talk about, especially about nature and all the different animals and the plants and all those sorts of things. But then all of a sudden we get to humans and we're like, oh no, they're this way or that way and that's it. And here I am sitting back going, well, actually, I think there's a far greater tapestry of diversity within God's creation that I think Christianity as a whole has somewhat rejected. And you can see yourself as I a see, part of that. I see myself as a part of that. Yeah. And it's the most amazing thing ever. Mm-hmm. Theologically, we talk about how humans were made in God's image. Therefore, you know, like verses like in Psalms, like you needed me together in my mother's womb all that sort of stuff. We're all God's creation and he, all, he made us all lovingly. Now you can go down to the um, arguments of sin and how that affects us and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I believe that God made us all the way we are intentionally. And so if that's the truth, then I have to be, I'm, I'm intentionally made to be me. And you're going to be you. And it's, and it's the most awesome thing I've ever done. Mm. So you feel like this has opened up a whole new way of seeing and and 100 because i think um in the christian community it's very easy to think you know everything especially coming from an adventist context being the remnant and having the knowledge i think adventism particularly has this has this way of approaching religion where it's where it's really searching after the truth and to adventism particularly i think the truth is a fact that they're searching for and I think that gives some really, really big benefits. I think that particularly Adventists have this way of approaching the Bible from a very theologically sound perspective, um, and that's Adventists of all age groups um, and all and men, and many experiences. I think Adventists as a whole, and I'm sure there would be other various denominations who have that point of view and understanding of of Christ and religion and stuff. I think though it can at times come at a cost of perhaps a spiritual relationship and an intimate intimate relationship. So 
you you know how people often say oh god is so unknowable god is greater than anything we can understand you are almost like tapped into that i feel like i am a little bit more tapped into that people can come along and go god is greater than we understand but then he doesn't love you because you're trans i'm like well you just said that this and then you're saying that he's going to reject me or that i'm being sinful yeah no that's effectively the crux of my spiritual journey has been this beautiful opening of my eyes to a wider understanding of what it means to be God's creation. We were talking earlier today and we were throwing around some clickbait titles and coming up with some oh, yeah. some different stuff. And one of the one of the things when I was talking to you just to share what the perspectives that shifted for me even just today. Uh, we we joked about the clickbait title I'm trans and so are you. (laughs) And I I really like that because just talking about that, I can imagine the outrage. I can imagine the obvious interpretation. People would go, they would, yeah, they would say like, no, no. And everyone reacted to that, which is why it's clickbait, good clickbait. But then there's this deeper interpretation that requires everybody to hear that title and say, well, hang on, what do you mean? Like this clickbait title, I'm trans and so you forces everyone together. And for me hearing Arden talk, it showed me that there's lots of the story of category, the story of not fitting in, the story of not feeling good enough because you don't fit in. Every single one of us goes through, even me. And I go, I struggle. The struggle for identity is something that everyone goes through. Exactly. Like everybody doesn't feel good enough for something. My struggle to come to terms with my identity is something that's very visible. Yeah. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that everybody yeah. is it, on a journey at some level or another yeah. to work out who they are. Yeah, it's not just a trans journey, it's a every it's a human journey. It's a human the journey. The human journey to find where do I belong? Who am I? Can I accept myself? Because that was the journey and in in the sense when you say you're blessed, in the sense I think you are blessed in that from a young age, you're going through and dealing with who am I, can I love myself? And there are people 40, 50 years old going through like the midlife crisis going, I've never learned to love myself. I probably still hate myself because of I don't look good enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not all these things. It's a very human journey. I'm I'm very lucky. Here I am as a 26-year-old person, human that has got to a place where I am don't feel like I'm living my life to fit in with anybody else's expectations. Hmm. For the very first time, I'm living my life for me. I'm in the driver's seat mm-hmm. and I'm take, I've taken control of my life and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think everybody is on the journey towards. I hope so. Yeah. Jasmine has a question. Okay, um, so you mentioned at one point that you were married um, and I'm interested to know how you navigated that as you decided to be a woman. Actually, it's quite simple. Um, Sorry, do you have a partner? Yes, I do. Okay. Do you love that partner for who they are as a person? Yes. Or do you love them because of their physical characteristics? Oh, a bit of both really. I think at the end, I think if I pushed you, and maybe this is just me, I think if I pushed you at the end of the day, it has to be the person inside. And, you know, don't get me wrong. The outside is important because it has certain things about it. But definitely for us, it was about it. It was a deeper connection. The exterior wasn't so important. At the end of the day, the reason we split up as a couple was because we were just terrible at being married people. It wasn't because I was trans or anything. It was just that we realized is, wow, we're really bad at this marriage thing. And it's really unhealthy for both of us. So that's sort of how it went. Yeah. Cool. Thank hmm. you. That's all right. You had another question? Yeah. I was actually just curious to know how you navigate work or like professional environments you mentioned you're in IT now. Oh, yeah, I was really lucky, actually. I obviously left my teaching career, and um, as soon as I had another job to go to, it was really funny, actually. I um, started there as Arted the Boy. I had the guts. I had enough guts to tell them my preferred name, but I didn't have enough guts to tell them why that wasn't my, the same as my legal name. So I was Arted the Boy for a month or two, 
and eventually I found the guts to um, write it. Basically, I wrote a letter, sent it to everyone in my um, in my office, and said, "Hey, yo, guys, by the way, I'm trans. On this date, I'm going to be coming back to work, uh, presenting as female." And that was it. Okay. I was really lucky that I have have a really good supportive workplace. I went to the HR and said, "Hey, yo, this is a thing," and they went and they came back to me and went, "Cool. So, um, what do you want? How do you want to do it?" I was sort of expecting them to come to me with all these hoops that they wanted yeah. me to jump through and all that sort of stuff. And instead they were just like, how do you want to do it? That's great. Which was really lucky. Like some guys at work sort of stumbled over how to interact with me yeah. again. Like there was sort of this shaky time of like naturally they might say mate or dude or bro or something. And all of a sudden there was this really awkward time of, wait, is that offensive? And I suppose my response has been, well, do you say mate to other girls? If so, please continue. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Come and ask the question and then... So Arden, do you think, do you regret coming out at the age you did? Do you wish you came out earlier or do you think you weren't ready to come out until... Oh, that's a good question. Like, it's easy to get bogged down in the I wish I did but I can't change the past. And so I have to accept that that it was the journey that I was on and I came out when I was ready. And I don't think I would have had the tools to be able to do it before then. And it's, and so I don't really tend to think about it very much because there's no point dwelling on it going, oh, wow, I wish I had changed earlier because then, you know, puberty would have been nicer to me and I wouldn't have this big beard and manly voice <laughs> and all those things. But... It just is. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you have any questions, thoughts, comments, you can head over to Instagram and you can direct message us there or just spam our photos that we put up or just like them, you know. It's nice to get a few likes every now and then. You know what I'm talking about. Or you can send us an email. If you have an idea, if you know someone who's interesting, if you see quite an opinionated blog post and go, we need to hear more about that idea, send it through. You are my foot soldiers of finding interesting ideas that the everyday person has. So if you find something like that, send me an email at ideasdigest at gmail.com. If you are one of those special people who has an iPhone and uses Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. Give us five stars and a lovely comment. Um, If you can't think of anything, make something up. Just Google lovely comments and copy and paste it in there. That'll do. I'll be happy with that. Other than that, I'll catch you next time.